Mums Group, a podcast for new Christian mums navigating the joyful complexities of motherhood. My name's Ali Barnes and I have a son called Banjo and for his second birthday, he is getting what I think is the greatest gift we could give him, a sibling. In fact, a little bro to play with. I feel so blessed that we are able to have another kiddo. I know it's not the reality for everyone, but uh, I'll be honest, I'm also slightly freaking out. Uh, My little man is very territorial. He gets upset if I'm holding another baby and God forbid my husband and I have a little kiss and cuddle in front of him. Don't get me wrong. I feel very loved, but I'm worried about how he's going to cope with a baby in the house that gets the bulk of my attention and affection for a good few months. So today I want to talk about that transition period. As you can tell, this episode is very selfishly motivated, but uh, it's an adjustment period that a lot of parents face. And so I've asked two friends who've been through it to share their experiences, their tips, and the challenges that we may encounter. And I hope you find it as helpful as I do. All right, here we go. Hello, I'm Tani. I'm married to Jonathan and we have two kids. We've got Lucia, who turned five in December, and Otis, who turned two in January. And we're loving being family four. Hi, I'm Kirsty. I'm the mum of two girls. Rosie is three and Lottie is almost 11 months and they're both obsessed with their daddy and their favourite thing to do is to sit down and play Duplo with him. So we think they're probably two little Duplo masters in Uh, training. (laughs) So Tani, how did you decide when to start trying for number two? We always sort of talked about maybe a three-year age gap would be a good age gap. And so when Lucia was about two, I guess we started to think about trying for another baby. And then as things turned out, I guess it was a few months of trying, but not a huge amount of time. And then we got pregnant and they were born like three and a half weeks apart. So she was three and three weeks old and Otis was born. So for us, it you know, when you have these hopes of you like, oh, maybe three years would be good. And it just turned out that it was like exactly three years, which is kind of funny. And what were you nervous about? Well, I was probably mostly nervous about uh, birth. So I'd had an emergency C-section with Lucia. And so the plan was to try for a VBAC. And I was really hopeful and optimistic that that would Happen. So I guess all throughout pregnancy, that was sort of the, the planning and the um, antenatal visits was all around birth. But I was also pretty nervous about how Lucia would adjust to the whole process. Part of it was like, even when birth is happening, who will be looking after her? Where will she be? How much notice would I have given her? Because there's so much uncertainty about that time. Would it be in the middle of the night? Would, you know... Who would be here when she woke up? All of those sorts of questions were the things that came to mind. We're definitely going to come back to that because, yeah, that's only a thought that dawned on me recently. I was like, wow, (laughs) what happens when you go into labor? We're we're going to talk about that. But uh, Kirsty, what about you guys? When did you sort of decide to start trying for number two? Well, uh, I'm really close to my siblings. There's, I'm the youngest and there's three of us within three and a half years of each other. Um, So I I always kind of imagined having kids a little bit closer together, kind of two years or maybe less. 
and we actually did get pregnant before Lottie, but unfortunately had a miscarriage. So um, by the time we got pregnant with Lottie, I was just feeling really grateful that we could have a baby because for anyone uh, out there listening who's gone through uh, miscarriage or loss, I think it kind of rocks your world a little bit and, um, you know, you, you do have doubts about whether you can have a child. So when we got pregnant with Charlotte, um, we were just really happy and grateful and nervous as well. But the girls ended up being two years and two months apart in age. Okay. And so obviously, yeah, you've got this incredible gratitude, but what are those things that you're nervous about? Definitely the whole logistics, juggling logistics, like Tani said, starting off with labour and who you leave your child with. But I think also just um, for us, Rosie's always been a fairly kind of awake child at bedtime. <laughs> it's it's not our easiest time of the day. Yeah. And so I was, I was quite worried about how we were just going to juggle bedtime with two kids and you know, pre-COVID world with my husband going to Bible study and, you know, his acapella group and other things that happen in the evenings or work, just thinking like, how do people do this with two kids at night by themselves or when they get sick or, um, oh. yeah, just kind of the logistical juggle. I was like, oh, how do you learn this? It's just, you know, you can't really learn it until you're in it. Yeah, no, I'm not letting Sean out at least for <laughs> two years. Okay, so... Were there things that you did to help Lucia or Rosie prepare? Like I've been recommended to get Banjo like a little toy baby. That'll help him kind of get inside with his nurturing instinct. <laughs> Is there anything that you guys did with your kids? Yeah, we did quite a lot. We got a, we got a baby doll for Lucia because she was baby mad. So she had a little baby during pregnancy. Um, there were other things. So she came along to the scans for the baby. And I remember it was so cute when we showed her the little photograph and asked her, what is it? And she said, I not know. And we said, well, it's a baby. <laughs> and she said, oh, for us to keep. And she was so excited <laughs> oh. to be getting a baby of her own. We bought and borrowed from the library different books about becoming a big sister um, there's going to be a baby was one we read. Um, we also gave her like a little doctor's kit for one of the celebrations during that pregnancy time. And so she would often play midwife and oh. um, have me lie down on bed and check my tummy. So she came along to uh, antenatal appointments and at some practical things. We decided to move her out of her cot in the lead up. So not like wait till baby was born to be like, you don't need it anymore. Yeah. We did it in advance and talked about having a big girl bed and had a big celebration around that. And also we packed away the pram. We kind of got it cleaned and packed it away so she didn't need it anymore. And it was a sort of a transition time of not using it anymore because she was a big girl walking and riding her bike so that when the baby was suddenly in her pram or cot, she didn't see them as her own. She saw them as the babies. Mm. Sounds really wise. But I think Banjo will be around the same age that Rosie was. So I don't feel like I yeah. can kick him out of his cot yet or <laughs> back away the yeah. pram yet. So what did you do, Kirsty? Yeah, we, we did some really similar things to Tani. I think Rosie was always that that child who just loved babies. Like I'd have to say, darling, you can't touch that baby. You can't kiss it. We don't know that person, you know, <laughs> or like just gentle with that child at play group. So I always knew that she loved babies and um, that was kind of on our side. 
I'm saying that because playing with babies or baby dolls kind of came naturally to her. We didn't really have to try and do that much. But similarly, we bought her a baby doll for the Christmas before and birthday before um, Lottie arrived. And we did lots of role play with her toys. You know, we talked a lot about breastfeeding because she she weaned herself at 18 months. So not long before Lottie came along, but she she didn't really have much memory of breastfeeding. So we, we did a lot of role play. We read lots of books as well. Um, there's a house inside my mummy's tummy was one that we read. Yeah, I've been reading that one to Banjo. He doesn't like it. He, there's no animals and there's no cars. Yeah, right. He's like, no, no. I'm like, no, you need to hear this. And I think also something that was really helpful was my family, grandparents and aunts and uncles um, made a big deal about how Rosie was going to be a big sister. And we talked a lot about all the things that she was going to be able to do to help mummy and help daddy. And, you know, you could help bath the baby and do you think you can help change the baby's nappy and all those sorts of things. So being a very independent child, she really loved um, those ideas. She was obsessed with our midwife appointments as well. She literally played midwives and can I do a Doppler on your belly oh. for like nine months afterwards? <laughs> she still says, I'm going to be a doctor when I grow up. And yeah, we still use a pram for both of our girls. We have the big whopping double pram, which I love. And Rosie just, just moved into a toddler bed on the weekend. So we actually had her in a cot with the side on until Lottie was six months old. And then Rosie kind of toilet trained herself and we took the side off the cot and we we actually got a double pram and we called it, um, once Lottie came along, we called it the sister pram mm. and um, it was new and we, we couldn't use it until the baby arrived. At the time, we didn't know whether it was going to be a boy or a girl. So there were lots of kind of interesting, exciting things that um, we could only use once the baby came. Did you know that Otis was going to be a boy, Tani? No, a surprise. We had a surprise for both our pregnancies. So it was really exciting okay because yeah I wonder if there is wisdom like I keep referring to the baby as the baby and I wonder if it'll help Banjo you know if I keep saying you know your little brother and I don't know Hmm. yeah okay so let's talk about D-Day what (laughs) did you do with baby number one (laughs) I've just realized I need to have a plan for this I had some medical complications that meant kind of from the 20 week scan, we were pretty sure we were going to have to have a cesarean and I had a natural birth with Rosie. Um, but then on top of that, on my first morning of maternity leave at 32 weeks, I had to go into hospital. And from that point onwards, I was in and out of hospital for kind of five weeks until Lottie came a little bit early. And I actually had a big hemorrhage at home and was taken to hospital in the ambulance and had an emergency Caesar. So we kind of had plans, but because we had that rocky road with hospital admissions in and out, um, my parents and my siblings, you know, the aunts and uncles were actually way more involved than I ever planned for them to have to be. So by the time Lottie was actually, you know, born by the time we had the cesarean everyone was kind of on heightened alert but our initial plan was to have kind of a triage of people 
So my parents who had been looking after Rosie, who were used to kind of settling her, I guess who she was most attached to were the kind of first point of call. But then my sister who lives halfway between us and the hospital, she was kind of like our backup. And my brother and sister-in-law who lived five minutes down the road, they were a backup, but both my siblings have their own children. So we kind of went for like, who doesn't have children and who will answer the phone and get here quickly Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and Rosie will be comfortable with. And then also who could we possibly leave her with that is kind of on the way en route to hospital. That was our initial plan. <laughs> and then because I ended up going to hospital in an ambulance, my, my dad came over and just kind of stayed the night with Rosie and it was all a bit dramatic and everything, but because she is well attached to him, she was fine. Okay. And for you, Tani? Yeah, we also had like a list of people that we were really thinking about and talking to saying, can we call upon you? We need to have some people in mind, given that it could be any time of day, any time of night. And so that determined who we might call and when. So like, for example, um, my sisters-in-law were both options that we could call upon. My auntie and uncle who live close by. Um, My mum lives a few hours up the coast. So she was on call like for you know, to be prepared to start driving down. Um, Our neighbours were also available and said they'd be really happy to get a call at any time of day if needed. So we kind of had a bit of a plan of who to contact when. I was, as I mentioned, trying for a VBAC. And then in later days of being pregnant, they discovered that Otis was, well, baby was really big. And so they were not very happy with me going overdue and they wanted to have a contingency plan of a plan c-section if needed which I was not that pleased with but happy to sort of accept was necessary Mm. so um, as things turned out we had a c-section date planned for like the Monday from memory and then early Saturday morning I went into spontaneous labor which was really exciting for me and for Jono, who likes things orderly and planned and predictable, <laughs> that, so we're not having the baby on Monday anymore, are we? <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, no, we're not having the baby on Monday. <laughs> so it was a really great labouring experience. I really enjoyed actually being in labour with Otis. But as things turned out, when it got to second stage, he was a bit distressed and their tolerance for trying for VBAC is low. So um, we went down to theatre and had an emergency C-section Again, but in terms of births, it was a really, um, really nice birth. Hmm. So you, you've had the baby. When does number one come visit and what does that look like? Did do you have something teed up like a, a gift that was meant to be from the baby? or Because uh, I'm all about those first encounters. <laughs> How did you make that a positive one? Lucia ended up, um, because I went into labour early in the morning, I was just here at home and then we called my sister-in-law and said, so Lucia's going to come over today and hang with you today. And that was, it turned into, Lucia's going to stay the night at your house because I was still in labour. So she had her first ever sleepover, which she was so excited about. And the next morning, so Otis was born in the afternoon, but we didn't bring her to come and visit him straight away. We waited till the next morning so I could have a rest and get feeding sort of a bit organized and Otis actually spent some time in the special care nursery even though he was well he needed to be monitored and so the next morning Jono went and collected her from her aunties and came 
he even recorded it. Like he just took a little video of walking in with her. So she didn't really know, but it was so cute to hear her little chatting away about meeting the baby. And it was really lovely. She came on in and she did, her initial reaction was to cry because she found out she was ha- she'd had a brother. <laughs> and even though all along, sometimes she wanted a brother, sometimes she wanted a sister and it changed from day to day. In that moment, she was very upset that it was not a sister. Um, <laughs> and then when we said it was a brother and his name, she was also upset that we hadn't called him Zach, oh. which was like one of her kindy teacher's names. Um, <laughs> but it was short-lived. When she actually got to, like, give him a cuddle, she suddenly fell in love and she was, it was a thing of the past that he wasn't a girl called Zach anymore. <laughs> What about for you, Kirsty? Well, by the time Lottie was almost here, we we knew that we were going to have a cesarean because of the, um, I had what's called complete placenta previa. So my placenta was covering my cervix and you just can't birth through that. And I chatted to some good friends about what the process was like having a Caesar, like friends who'd had planned Caesars, just because Rosie's birth was natural. And, you know, I pushed her down in her little bassinet down to the maternity board. So it's very different. Um, And I did have friends recommend to kind of wait until the next day when you can kind of bring your child in and you're a bit fresher and it's, um, it's like a calm environment and have a special present to give them. And some, some of my friends had like a special present that the baby had, you know, the, this is a present from the baby now that you're a big sister but because everything kind of happened the way it did, by the time Lottie was born and then I had some big complications afterwards and went, um, it was, yeah, I went back into surgery and blah, blah, blah. By the time Lottie was kind of settled and I was stable, it was actually the evening of the next day. My parents had had her, had had Rosie for almost 24 hours. <laughs> so our option was kind of to have Mark take Rosie home. So we actually really wanted Rosie to meet the baby and see me just to know that mummy was okay because it had been a very kind of medically dramatic 24 hours and also the kind of five weeks before that in and out of hospital. Mm. And we really wanted her to go to sleep that night knowing that like the baby's here, mummy's okay, the baby's okay. And, you know, we're going to stay in for a few days and then mummy's going to come home and I won't have to go back in again. So uh, she met us in birthing suite, um, which is where I stayed for a couple of days. And it was beautiful. She was, she was so overtired, but she was just so in love with Lottie. And one of the midwives took photos. So we have those special memories as well, which um, is very precious for mum, because I can't remember, you know, heaps of that. Yeah. And because I'd been in and out of hospital before, I actually had a few little presents that I kind of kept with me. So when I had an admission and Rosie would come visit me, I'd have something special that she could play with or a little gift to kind of make the hospital a pleasant association. Mm, and we didn't give her anything on the day from the baby. And we we chose a, to not give her something from the baby, but to say, this is a present from mummy and daddy now that you're a big sister. And we bought um, like a little fabric baby carrier that she could carry her baby doll around in or her bunny or that sort of thing. And then we had also spoken to close friends and family and said like, if when you come visit, however it all happens, 
make sure that you speak to Rosie first and, you know, congratulate her for being a big sister and please don't bring anything for Lottie unless you bring something for Rosie. And that was just to our very close kind of circle, but just to make sure that we didn't start off with that jealousy of all of her most loved and treasured adults in her life coming in and just looking at the baby and kind of bypassing her. So I think that helped in the first couple of days. Mom, Dad, and Lisa, Jason, if you're listening, take note. <laughs> um, so once the novelty wears off and baby comes home and they're constantly on you and you're mm. breastfeeding, if you were breastfeeding, how did your kids go with jealousy? Was that a thing for them, you know, not getting the same time and attention and, and affection as they used to? I think probably some jealousy is inevitable because they just are still learning how to, it's also new, that they have to share you now when they had undivided mum and dad. But saying that, it wasn't hugely obvious and pronounced and I can't think of any specific examples of Lucia being particularly jealous. There were times maybe when it came to breastfeeding and things, but I'd had some good advice from nurses and midwives in the lead up that when breastfeeding, depending on how you hold the bub, you can always have a, an arm spare to cuddle your eldest. So you're just having a cuddle while you're feeding the baby and you can talk about the baby with them as you're feeding or even read a book, you know. You can have a spare hand um, if feeding is sort of going okay. So that was, I think I was mindful of it to put some things in place. I didn't um, sort of send Lucia away when feeding happened. I just sort of gently reminded her that, the baby's feeding and you know just sort of you was mindful that how and when I speak to her could either make her feel very ostracized or that she wasn't welcome to me when but also highlighting the baby's needs to me right now and to um, draw her attention to what the baby needs and how she can she also help the baby so she had a job you know in terms of when it came to nappy changes and bath time and all of those sorts of moments and I also remember a doctor that I work with She had said when I was pregnant, you know, what does every three-year-old and probably true of two-year-olds too, what does any kind of toddler preschooler want to know? They want to know that they are loved and adored by the people around them. And so however you can highlight and point out the baby's love for her, the more she's going to love this baby. And it was really... It was really beautiful because I actually, once she told me that, I became more noticed, I noticed it more that when Lucia had her first cuddle of Otis, his eyes widened. He recognised her voice and he was, yes. you know, he, he had smiling eyes when she was playing over him. So I just noticed that and told her, he's loving you playing with him. He's smiling, yeah. he's talking to you. And so any moment that I could just notice their bond and relationship and tell her about it, she just loved her baby brother. And, and when it was nurturing and caring to him, she didn't... Um, have jealousy or sort of want to send him away or ask him when he's leaving or any of those sorts of classic things that are, are normal too um but just wasn't our experience oh that's so reassuring <laughs> honestly if i'm patting a dog too much banjo starts <laughs> flipping out okay kirsty encourage me more <laughs> yeah i i completely agree with you tani i think i'm reinforcing kind of the love from the baby towards your eldest child is so powerful we we just encouraged cuddles and kind of independent cuddles from literally the first day that we were home 
and obviously in a safe manner, but we try to kind of create those, like the language of yes zones where Lottie and Rosie could kind of be in the same proximity without Lottie being in danger and we could just kind of let them coexist as opposed to like, oh, no, don't touch the baby, don't do this, don't do that. And even little things like, you know, newborns often have that lovely drowsy sleep where they can sleep through noise as opposed to the six-week-old plus who might be a little bit more kind of a reactionary to their environment. So, you know, I'd feed Lottie, put her down in the bassinet in our in our living area and then just play with Rosie or I'd try and feed on the ground while I was, um, yeah, book like Tani said or playing with a game. Um, also, we were really intentional to have Mark involved as much as possible. And that was a necessity for us because obviously being in and out of hospital before Lottie's birth, he had to just take over everything and Rosie had to adjust to mummy not being there for the first time. But also afterwards I had a bit more of a steep curve of recovery than I had the first time around. So I wasn't physically able to do as much as I could before. So Mark was really involved, but I think in hindsight, even if we hadn't gone through that experience, I would still try and get dad involved in everything as much as possible, even if that's a bit of a painful process. Try and do the transition of dad helping out with bedtimes if it's solely mum doing bedtimes or there's that strong preference from the child only for mum. We tried to do like daddy-daughter dates where Mark would take Rosie out and do special bike rides with her before Lottie came along and afterwards and kind of make it like, daddy, you know, you're going to go out with daddy and go for a bike ride and maybe you can even get a baby Chino together. You know, exciting things um, associated with kind of being away from me as opposed to like, you have to go because I need to rest. Mm. And even once Lottie came, you know, second baby, Mark was pretty comfortable with all the baby carriers and baby wraps. So just taking the opportunity whenever we could, like at church to have Lottie sleep on Mark in the baby carrier or have him settle her or do nappy changes to kind of make me available whenever possible. And even with bedtimes, I, I had to feed Lottie, you know, I was breastfeeding exclusively. Um, so Mark couldn't do that, but I would have a shower with Rosie every night, which we started before Lottie came along. It was much harder to get her in and out of the bath when I was heavily pregnant. So we used to just have a shower, just the two of us at night before bed. And it made the whole process of getting, getting bedtime easier. And then once Lottie came along, we kept on doing that. And then eventually Lottie came and joined us when she was kind of big enough. And so I would not only have a shower with Rosie, but then I would try and read a book with her just the two of us in the room before I had to go feed Lottie. So just trying to take advantage of those little moments together where you have those little moments of reconnection without without the baby around. Yeah, because I'm assuming that most of the time dads get sort of relegated to toddler carer, right? And mums, you know, particularly if you're uh, breastfeeding are on newborn duties, and I yeah. know that that'll be really special time for Banjo and Sean, but I'm already starting to like grieve the change in our relationship and that I'm just going to miss one-on-one time with Banjo. Like, did, did you yeah. have those feelings? Yeah, I had those feelings. I remember in the lead up, you know, knowing that the baby was going to be born soon, feeling like, oh, these days together, just her and I, these are coming to an end soon. 
and it was you know bittersweet you know it was an exciting time but it was also a big change in our relationship and and we did very similar things to Kirsty in terms of um, Jonathan putting Lucia to bed and having daddy daughter dates and that kind of thing but and mostly I cared for Otis in those early days but not always I think we really tried to be pretty intentional with if he was fed and settled Jono would have a cuddle or put him down to sleep yeah. or just have a play with him and I would have one-on-one time with Lucia we might just have like a little play or a little picnic or go out for a baby chino or um, just free choice of her to do you know what are, what are we doing with this time and then that was during Jono's time at home and then when he went back to work I just made nap times time for her and I to have together and um, mm. or if Otis was just happily kind of having tummy time but you know, just needed me to kind of be in the same room as him, but he was actually pretty occupied just having some floor time or something with play with her. So um, it's it's a sweet time growing as a family with all of you together, but to really remember that you've got individual relationships with both of your kids and to focus on um, not just your whole family unit or you with both of your children, but you with each of your children. Mm. Mm. You just mentioned that you would have special time with Lucia when Otis was having his nap. When do you rest? Like, (laughs) I used to sleep every time Banjo was asleep. How do you do it with a toddler who needs attention? I know that's really selfish, but I'm only human. Um, Because Rosie, yeah, was a little bit younger. She was still napping during my pregnancy and after Lottie was born, but she kind of was sending off the vibes in the month or two before Charlotte arrived that she, she probably could have dropped her nap. It was becoming a bit more of a battle to get her to sleep for that long nap in the middle of the day. But I was similar to you, Ali. I was sleeping every day that I wasn't working. Banjo is not dropping that nap until he goes to school. Mummy needs that as well. Well, Rosie dropped her nap when Lottie was six months old. But for those first six months after Lottie was born, it was it was really, really kind of crucial time for me, not only to rest, but also just to feed undistracted or actually a really clear memory is just that was the one time of the day that I could make sure I got a really nutritious meal. And I don't know about you two, but when I breastfeed, or in those first six months, I I could eat like a horse for every meal. Like mm. I get so hungry. And when you're running around after a toddler and you've got a newborn, it can be really hard to kind of get your snacks and get your food. So I, I rested, either kind of had sleep or like sat on the couch and watched Netflix and just kind of physically, mentally rested while Rosie had her nap. And when she dropped it, I felt like I had recovered enough from pregnancy and from those early days. My body had become accustomed to the new levels of sleep deprivation or kind of the new lifestyle of running around after two kids. And we just kind of, I don't know, moved into that new season of no rest for Rosie. And it was hard to begin with because usually when toddlers drop their naps, they get really cranky and they fall asleep in the car if you're driving at 4 p.m or you know all of those things but by that time Lottie was doing three naps a day and so actually it meant that at lunchtime if Lottie went to sleep 
And if she went to sleep in her cot, (laughs) then that became my special time with Rosie. And that didn't last long because then, of course, Lottie dropped down to two naps. But I kind of swapped, I guess, special time for myself where I could rest for special time with Rosie where we could do things that Lottie couldn't be around for. Yeah. Is there anything that anyone listening in a situation like me, you know, should expect? Like did did anything significantly change with your oldest behaviour? Like, uh, you know, I've heard that they might have suddenly have a sleep regression or uh, want to just come to bed with you or just throwing more tantrums. Did you have that experience? What should I be aware of? <sighs> Certainly lots of big feelings from three-year-olds, yep. even without a new baby and a big adjustment period and transition for them. So absolutely expect that little ones are really emotionally driven and have feeling overwhelm, which mum, new mums also have. Um, so we would often have just big overwhelming moments for all of us. <laughs> and I guess some people would call it tantrums. And I think the way you think about it really can change how you respond to it as well. So, but yeah, it, it can be a really emotionally difficult time for a little one to become a new sibling anyway. And it's about, you know, the wrong spoon or the wrong, you know, it can be about so many other things. And really, it's just about heightened overwhelm about something so just being sensitive and understanding of that while setting you know acknowledging it like oh you're overwhelmed and mum's job is to help you with that there were some other things I remember Lucia who had weaned at one she breastfed to one suddenly she was sort of asking like can I have milk and so I was initially like, <laughs> what do you no. do with that? Um, in my mind. But then I thought, I can't, I chatted to my mum to say, she's asking, what should I do? And mum said, oh, you could give her someone a spoon if you don't want to actually nurse her. So she tried breast milk a couple of times. You know, I think that when you've got a newborn baby, suddenly you see your preschool or a toddler as physically so much bigger. You're like, whoa, I thought you were little and now you look huge. So I think they, they seem much older than what they are and that plays into, I think, how things unfold. My expectations of Lucia suddenly <laughs> increased, sometimes appropriately and sometimes really not appropriately in terms of what I expected of her. <laughs> so um, paying rent, not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> Even just, you know, staying quiet while I'm putting the baby to sleep, like, um, but I'm not in the same room as her. So suddenly she comes coming into the room to go what did you say you know like yeah yes okay follows you around with questions and you're like oh I probably need to be clearer with what I want or help you succeed with what I'm asking or lower my expectations of what you're able to do and so that was a big part of it sort of really checking my expectations of Lucia and also of myself you know (laughs) because I thought back to that other question of how to manage fatigue and things Mm. Lucia watched quite a lot of tv in those early days you know I was tired I was on the lounge maybe having a snooze while she was on the lounge with me um watching a show or while I was settling to sleep and I didn't want her chasing me and asking questions while I was putting Otis to sleep she'd just watch movies and tv and that was a grapple for me because of all the mum guilt that comes with screen time but just going this is a time and I need to meet all of our needs in our family mm, <laughs> the baby yeah. needs to sleep I need to rest and Lucia needs to just be calm for yeah. now but yeah expect that there can be big overwhelm for everyone in your family <laughs> mm. for you Kirsty 
Yeah, Rosie, Rosie did a similar thing, Tani, with wanting to try and feed. And I had read something in a book or, you know, had friends say that that was common. And I remember kind of offering her and being like, sure, you can have a go and kind of calling her bluff. <laughs> and she came close oh, gosh. and like got really close and then was like, no, that's just for babies. And I was like, phew. <laughs> and I think I offered it in a cup or, you know, but I have, I have like genetic oversupply. So once she saw milk flying everywhere, I think she was actually a bit put off and was like, don't spray it at me, mummy. <laughs> so she would um just leave it to Lottie. Yeah, I think we definitely had a lot of big emotions at two, but maybe less ability to kind of talk about it or express it. And I can't remember when we started, but we we bought a few books that were about expressing emotions, like when I feel sad or my my heart is full of feelings or something like that. And those books are really helpful because it gave Rosie, it taught her a vocabulary to express her emotions. And it was a slow process, but we kind of got to the point where she was able to say, I feel sad about this mummy, or I feel angry, or I need a cuddle. And that was helpful for me. In those early days, I think she just wanted Mark. It was almost like her coping strategy was to disconnect with me and just cling to Mark. And I've heard other friends with kids who were around about the same age went through a similar experience. And that can be really hard because you already feel like you have this disconnect when you go into hospital and you're away from your child. And then you are so wrapped up in caring with your newborn and you, you can't care for your toddler in the same way that you could before. And then when you see them kind of cling to the other parent, it's, for me, it was not only, you know, a bit of mum guilt, but also just that that grieving process, like you say, Ali. And Rosie eventually swung back, swung back around and, you know, wanted only mummy. But I think, I think just being prepared that, like Tani said, that was great advice. They're going to have big emotions. You're going to have big emotions. You just need to kind of give yourself lots of grace. And I think the other thing is just, for me, just remembering that, in the same way that I'm such a different person now as a mother second time around, you know, this new little baby is not the same as my first child. Mm. And she didn't settle in the same way. I didn't have time to, you know, try and put her down in the cot in a quiet, dark, calm environment. Like most of the time she slept in the ergo or in the car or in the pram when we were, you know, going to ballet or swimming or visiting or a play date or that sort of thing. So just remembering that in the same way you're asking your child to be flexible, you're probably going to need to be more flexible as a parent and maybe you're going to have to let go of some of those kind of routine or patterns if they're not working for you. And also I found it really helpful to have family or friends involved in those early days to kind of give Rosie that attention, to take her out on a little adventure with them or to kind of fill her love bucket so to speak from other angles as well Um, especially once Mark went back to work and you know I wasn't driving post-season and all those sorts of things so kind of gave Rosie a a bit of a taste of normality where she could get in the car and go out with someone um, and do something that kind of was familiar to her like going to a park that she loved before the baby came along until we could get in the car and go do those things together. I might be asking the wrong people because 
like I, I know Lucia and her beautiful, gentle nature. <laughs> and, you know, Rosie seems that way too. But did do you have concerns? Like Banjo's a very physical kid and I will not be leaving him in the same room <laughs> as the baby without adult supervision. Um, how did you navigate that? Was there any issues? I don't remember feeling like Lucia would um, like intentionally hurt Otis, but like three-year-olds just are busy playing and things. So it was like if he was on the floor having floor time um, and she'd be playing around him, we would have to give reminders of not falling on top of him and not stomping on him and not heavy toys falling on him. But we did it in such a way, I think the way you say it can be either really corrective for children to be like get angry at either you or the baby or just um, notice that they're playing and, oh, that's very heavy, you know, like that's what you're holding is heavy. Maybe we need to walk around, you know, not on the baby's rug and that kind of thing because, you know, siblings can hurt babies whether they're kind of just thrashing about or throwing something or or um, actually upset with the baby. So Banjo, even if he did, he wouldn't want to be hurting the baby, yeah. um, even if he's feeling like lashing out and doing whatever, you know, boisterous. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's the same with, you know, when he hits or bites me, like it's not, you know. Yeah, he's trying to hurt you. No, he's, yeah, he'd never try and hurt, but he just doesn't know what to do with those big emotions, as you say. That was just more for me, probably not for any other kid. (laughs) But um, what what do you love or what do your kids absolutely love about having each other? Lucia and Otis have such a sweet, relationship they just really love each other they have moments um, now that Otis is like coming up on two and a half and Lucia's coming up on five and a half they're starting to be able to play together which is really great it used to always be Lucia's game and Otis just sort of was there and she would incorporate him but now he has his own ideas and plans and it takes a bit of sort of support and um, nurturing but they can play these wonderful games together and so I wasn't fully expecting how lovely it is to watch your children have a close bond and relationship it really is beautiful to watch and has probably been my favorite part of having a second child watching them together and I it's part of our prayer as parents that they would have a friendship for their whole life that they would be brother and sister and friends and so it's lovely. Yeah, I just love seeing our girls play together. They are just, they love rumbling together and now Lottie's just learnt how to blow raspberries on people. And in those early days, Rosie was just so proud of her baby sister and you could just see this kind of wonder and awe in her face you know, when, when Lottie yawned or she moved her arms or just seeing how teeny tiny her body was, it was just so beautiful to see that kind of wonder at God's creation in, in Rosie and to walk that journey with her. And I think also it's really special as a parent because you're not a rookie. Yeah. <laughs> Even though your second child might be really different to your first, you've got a little bit of that hindsight to kind of have a better idea of what's ahead so we just felt yeah much more settled as a family and and also just 
watching Rosie flourish as a big sister. Of course, there are ups and downs and big challenges, but just seeing her kind of grow empathy and um, be really helpful to us and kind of learn what it looks like to compromise and to be patient and cooperate, which isn't always easy, especially when they're so tiny. But it's been beautiful to see her kind of grow in those qualities at the same time that we're learning new things all together. Mm. That makes me really excited. I'm, I'm kind of hoping before I had Banjo, I was not a clucky person. You know, I was never really interested in holding anyone else's baby. My nieces and nephews, yes, but I didn't have much, yeah, much interest. And I'm kind of hoping that that's Banjo's personality as well. Like he's not been particularly enthused by any of the little ones around us. But when it's his little brother, I'm really hoping that he just loves and adores him. And mm. uh, if he doesn't... Uh, We'll be having another episode about this. (laughs) Well, yeah, a new baby brings all sorts of joy and challenges to a family. So I say this to myself, be kind to yourself. (laughs) Don't expect a clean house or that your kids will be best friends immediately. It's a big adjustment for all. And uh, if anyone offers help, say yes. I think we often reach out to new mums, but I think it's those who are having their second or third, et cetera, et cetera, that probably need more support. So, you know, hint, hint, nudge, nudge to anyone listening who lives near me. Look out for that bat signal come August. Uh, But uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We're an Audible Moms group, but if you'd like to connect further and ask any questions or share your experience or your tips for a smooth transition, please join us on Facebook. Just search Mums Group Pod, which is short for podcast. Uh, But until next time, bye. Bye. Bye.